it's time. You're listening to the National Edgar Allan Poe Theater on the Air. Sponsored in part by Baltimore's own Raven Beer, this ongoing series brings to your ears the best-known works from America's revered grandfather of horror and suspense. In the asylum of the mysterious Dr. Mallard, Poe's lost souls recount their awful tales while they await the doctor's revolutionary system to treat and cure the mentally crippled. In today's episode, the National Edgar Allan Poe Theater on the Air takes on Poe's supernatural tale of a husband cursed from beyond the grave, Morella. Having just left the chamber of the man whose pet cat revealed to police the awful family secret bricked up in his basement. Black cats are pernicious creatures. Witches in disguise. Treacherous monsters. I should have killed the cat first, and then my wife. Professor Mallard leads us down the hall for a conversation with another of his children. Yes, yes, right this way. Our next guest here is a particularly anxious fellow with a peculiar fixation, the endurance of the soul. But that endurance comes not through heavenly salvation or the purity of religious splendor. No, something darker. Or pagan, a belief in metempsychosis, the transmigration of the soul. Stuff and nonsense, of course, but what is interesting is that he devoutly wishes it not to be true. It fills him with a terror quite absolute. Let us meet him. Good evening, Doctor. It is good to see you. Who's there? Who's that with you? Tell me, tell me, please, it's not... No, no, merely a friend. A person interested in my institution and its systems, trustworthy to the maximum degree. Ah, in that case, I am very pleased to meet you. Our guest is interested to hear your story, if you are happy to recount it yet again. It echoes through my head every minute of every day. I never sleep for more than a moment before my body jolts and I am awake. The narrative of those events runs through me all the time, and I fear the tale is not yet concluded. Tell our friend. Perhaps it will assuage you in the telling. I cannot remember how I met her. Who? Tell our guest her name. Morella. Were we thrown together by some chance? Some accident? Introduced by mutual acquaintance? And yet all my friends deny it. A moment of gentlemanly conduct on my part? I should wish to be so gallant. I assume we found ourselves in each other's company, Marmorella and I, a casual and nonchalant encounter, and yet it instantly seemed to smolder with purpose and intent. Such an ice-cold destiny, yet it burned. Yes, burned, I tell you, with something so remorseless. Love can be like that, passion, attraction. Perhaps it was lust. How many times have I told you, Doctor? I swear it was none of that. I burned with a fire, but it was not... Cupid's arrow. Desire can manifest itself just so, especially if you were naive in the ways of love. I insist I had no feelings of the sort. Very well, very well. Tell our guest what you did next. (sighs) I married her. I rest my case. She was the most beautiful thing in my life. I rest my case again. A thing of beauty, a source of complete happiness, but I cannot say it was love, or rather, I dare not say it was love. You see... Here I become completely confused. One of the pleasures of my profession and the delightful inmates I house here. Confusions, ambiguities, and more than a little subterfuge. We shall cure you, my good fellow, but for now, pray continue. And my happiness knew no bounds. She devoted herself to me and rendered me happy. She had no interest in seeing anyone else. She fairly shunned society. Our doors were closed to everyone, and we found our universe in the corridors and the rooms of my house. As the seasons turned, as days turned to night, as weeks turned into months, 
And what did we do, you ask? Listen to me read. <laughs> we talked. We talked on all subjects. And we read books hour after hour. Each of the rooms began to fill with shelves of books. Packages of books arrived at the door every day from booksellers all over the world. And when we ran out of shelves, the books were piled like broken columns on the floor. You see, Morella was exceptionally erudite. The powers of her mind were, well, to put it simply, gigantic. She could devour any book. Such was the power of her intellect. I gave up reading myself and willingly became her pupil. Listening to her voice. Science and poetry. Philosophy. Tales of romance. Books of engravings. And musical scores. The powers of her erudition were comprehensive and complete. But one day this thrilling variety seemed to come to an end and she showed a predilection for certain texts more arcane, mystical you might say I resisted at first but only inside myself. To Morella I continued to be her obedient pupil and then even my soul yielded despite the fact that almost immediately my distinct unease gave way to feelings of dread and I felt the queasiness that just beyond the door lay terror and Morella held out her hands to me. Take my hand while I recite the pages. You are so cold. So very cold. Hold my hand tighter. I am not so cold now, am I? Frozen. And the pages of this tome, are they meant to be seen, yet let alone recited? Forbidden words on a forbidden page in a forbidden book, hidden in a forbidden library from a long-forgotten time. Some long-dead philosophy. You will not say that to me. I make no excuses. This is indeed a secret book, powerful, illicit perhaps, but not dead. Not dead. Hold my hand firmer than that. Hinom... Malak, Baal, Topet, Principium Individuationis. Hinom, 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 Malak, Baal, Topet, And all my joy faded into horror, and the most beautiful thing in my life became the most hideous. And what had once been joys and comforts now became unendurable, and I don't even know how or why. Of course I do. It was that repugnant book. And Morella fell sick, fatally sick. No prospect of a cure or recovery. She began to waste away, disintegrate. But she still wanted my company at all times. Uh, Come to bed. I thought I might read downstairs. More of the forbidden tome? I don't think so. No, I will not be reading the forbidden tome. It is that book which has made you sick. Nonsense. Quite the opposite. You shall see. I think that wretched book should be burnt at the stake like a witch. Never say such a thing. Where they burn books, they will one day burn people. Very clever. In this case, I think it would be worth the exception. Don't go downstairs. Read to me. Here. What would suit you? Schelling? John Locke? No. No philosophy. 
some poetry, perhaps, or a diverting romance. Oh, you make me sad. Look into my eyes. How can your eyes seem so happy when you are so frail? Each of your fingers is as thin as a shard of glass. The blue veins on your forehead are prominent. It doesn't matter. Don't you see that? All will come clear. All will be eternal. 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 While she spoke of eternity, I wanted her dead. She clung to life so relentlessly. How could such a fragile spirit prevail so long? And she, ever smiling, the aspect of joy on her frail features, inhuman. The smile of love across her wasting mouth, hideous. For the first time I saw her smile for what it was, the leering grin of a skull. And yet she did not die. Her fragile spirit clung to its tenement of clay for days, weeks, months. And I grew furious at the delay, and I cursed the time which seemed to lengthen and lengthen as her wisp-like life declined, like shadows in the dying of the day. And then one day... It is a day of days, a day of all days, either to live or die. It is a fair day for the sons of earth and life, but even more splendid for the daughters of heaven and death. What? What do you mean? I am dying, yet I shall live. Oh, Marilla. The days have never been when you could love me. No. But her whom in life you did abhor, in death you shall adore. It cannot be true. I repeat, I am dying. No. But you shall not be alone. I will be desolate and solitary. No. I am with child. Uh, What? And the child, our child, shall live. How can that be? Remember when thou didst love me? And when my spirit departs, the child shall live, but thy days shall be days of sorrow. The hours of your happiness are over, and joy is never gathered twice in a lifetime. Marilla, how do you know this? (laughs) Marilla? Marilla? How do you know this? Marilla? Marilla? As she foretold, at the moment of death, she gave birth, a little girl, who did not breathe until her mother breathed no more, a perfect infant, newborn and full of life. I confess, dear doctor, that I did love my daughter, but all was not natural. The child grew with a rapacious energy. She grew in size, maturing beyond her years. Every day she came to resemble Marilla more and more. Her smile was like her mother's. This I could bear. Her eyes shone like Marilla's. This I could endure. Her high forehead and the silky ringlets of her hair were unmistakably from her mother. This was something I could 
tolerate. Perhaps it was even something of a comfort to me. But it wasn't just her body and her superficial features. It was her mind. It was truly terrible. Terrifying. For in the girl I saw the intellect of the woman, uttering a voice of experience from the lips of an innocent. Can you imagine something so unnatural? The passions of maturity uttered by a child. Father! It was then I saw how her eyes peered down into the depths of my soul. Read me a story! With intense and bewildering and remorseless incision. Listen to me, read! She stared at me, and then she spoke with phrases and expressions of a dead woman upon the lips of the living. Hinnom! Malak! Baal! It gave me all-consuming dread and horror. A worm. Tophet! That would not die. Listen to the words I speak. Principium individuationis. You know something strange, Doctor. I had not named my child. Some years went by, and yet she never was named. She was simply my love, my darling, my child. You were desolate without the mother. You yourself predicted that you would be. And on the day of her baptism... God, our Creator, we thank you for the wonder of new life and for the mystery of human love. Our Lord Jesus Christ has told us that to enter the kingdom of heaven, we must be born again of water and the Spirit, and has given us baptism as the sign and seal of this new birth. And Jesus said, Let the children come to me. Do not stop them. God knows each of us by name, and we are his. Uh, you're the father of this child. You must speak for... Uh, what name's been chosen? Oh, uh, can you do it? Yes, I will speak it, but first you must tell me the name you have chosen. I haven't chosen a name. I want you to do it. Uh, this is most irregular. Something biblical, perhaps? You'd like that. You're a priest. You must know many names in the Bible. Yes, it is you, the father of the child, who must decide. I cannot. Come on, come now, name the child. Not now. Name your daughter. Very well. I name my daughter... Morella. Do you hear me, priest? Morella. <laughs> Morella. 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 I am here. Great heavens. The poor child. She's dead. My daughter lay on the black slabs of the ancestral vault, dead as if life had never graced her body. But the name seemed to hang in the air like a breeze or the crash of waves on the seashore. Morella. The priest recommended immediate burial, so the tomb that held the body of her mother was opened. I myself took the body of my daughter inside the tomb to lie with her mother, but... <laughs> and, and you know what? <laughs> oh, doctor, you simply must laugh at this. Can you believe it? Believe me when I tell you, there was no body of the mother. The tomb was empty. Only one Morella was there, and that was the dead child in my arms. <laughs> I am here. I am here. I am here. No, no, no more. 
These words work wonders when he becomes overwrought. He dreads her return, the worm that will not die, the incisive gaze, and the words eternal, I am here. Lock me in. Lock me inside. Safe. I think it is best that we take our leave. Onward. This way. Strange case, is it not? The arcane has played horrors on his mind. The woman enthralled him, and yet he denies love. A very guilty soul, and she swore to him to return, although knowingly not to bring him happiness. A curse indeed. I am here. Here. Quickly, back to the cell. Have a look through this spy hole. He is, as you see, quite alone. You've been listening to the National Edgar Allan Poe Theatre on the Air and our production of Morella, adapted for radio by Richard J. Hand. Morella was directed by Alex Zavistovich and produced by Ty Ford, with the voices of Brian McDonald, Jennifer Restack, and Alex Zavistovich. Poe Theatre on the Air theme by Greg Martin. The National Edgar Allan Poe Theatre on the Air is sponsored in part by Baltimore's own Raven Beer, purveyors of Poe-inspired craft beer. More information can be found on the web at ravenbeer.com. More information on the National Edgar Allan Poe Theatre on the Air can be found at poetheater.org. Until next time, this is Alex Zavistovich reminding you that all we see or seem is but a dream within a dream. 